I mentioned on Sunday that I was going to share tonight about how to lead someone to Christ. And, you know, in our series, we talked about, you know, about um, uh, what's our next step. And I used the story about the children of Israel, you know, whenever they were uh, under the rulership of Pharaoh in Egypt, they were in major bondage, right? And then and, uh, they started crying out to God and God supernaturally delivered them through the Red Sea. And so God delivered them from the, the, the control of Pharaoh, which is a type of Satan. Egypt, which is a top of, type of the world, its values and its system. Delivered them through the Red Sea, which is a type of, of supernatural deliverance and freedom that Christ gives us. Then they were guided by the fire and the cloud by day in the wilderness. And God had a plan and a purpose for them to not live in the wilderness, but to end up where he had promised he would take them, which was in the promised land. And so the, bad, the sad part of the story was only two people out of the entire nation ended up in the promised land. Most of them died in the wilderness. Now, whenever I think of that story, I don't want to die in the wilderness. I want to go to the promised land. Now, the promised land physically, you know, it, it, that's over there in, in Israel, you know, the, the, the natural geographic promised land. But God has a promised land for each and every one of us. And we talked about there's really four steps to go from Egypt to the promised land. And it's number one, it's to, to know God, right? To know God. But the second step is to live free. You got to, when you come out of Egypt, you got to get Egypt out of you, right? And then the third step is that you got to find your purpose. God has a purpose for you. He didn't wind you up, put you on this planet so you could just make a lot of noise and shake your head up and down. He put you on this planet with a reason, right? And then finally, you know, we can't stop there, but we got to get to the promised land. We got to make a difference. God put us here on this earth to make a difference for his kingdom and for his glory. Y'all believe that? So that's four steps to go from Egypt to the promised land. But we talked about it all starts with knowing God. And, and uh, you know, knowing God is something that we all need to, uh, you know, we need to strive for, to know God, not just know him intellectually. There's a lot of people that know God. In fact, the Bible says even the devil knows God, but he don't serve God. So it's not just good enough to know God. You got to serve God. You got to be intimate with God. And so there's, there's way more people that know God than serve God, but we need to serve God. Amen. But not only do we need to serve God, God put us on this earth to be his ambassadors and to reach out to others that don't know God. And this is what he told the disciples in Mark 1.17. He, he called out to them and he said, come and follow me. And this is the reason why I want you to follow me. I will make you or show you how to fish for people. In other words, he said, I'm going to show you how to lead others to Christ. And so how do you do that? I just want to quickly share five keys to leading people to Christ. The first one is this. Work hard at being or making friends. It all starts with developing a friendship. Think about this. You can't lead people to Christ that don't like you. They're not going to be interested in your God if they're not interested in you. Come on, I need a better amen right there. And so sometimes, you know, like the, the in the Bible, whenever you read about Jesus, you, you listen to, or you read his story in the Bible, the people he had the hardest times with was the religious leaders that such had such a spiritual snobbiness about them. They had their nose up in the air and they weren't even interested in the lost people. But so you got to learn to make friends, right? So you have to learn how to win friends and influence people. And you know, I believe in our society today, we're losing the ability, 
We're losing people skills. You know, the more we do social, you know, we text and we Facebook and we MySpace and we do, oh, you know, Instagram and Insta, whatever, all that stuff. We're not sitting across the table from each other talking and we're losing people skills. But when friends and, and winning friends and, and making friends is about people skills. You can't be rude and win people to Christ. And so Proverbs 18, 24 says, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticks closer than the brother. So how do you make friends? You make friends by being nice. Now, I know I just went deep on you right there. But, you know, it's amazing to me whenever I'm around people, it's like, are you purposely trying to make enemies? Because you can't go around and tell people off and influence them towards the cross. And by the way, you can't treat people in the church like that either. Come on, if you're a Christian, you need to be nice. Amen? And be kind. That's attractive. But rude is not attractive. So I'm starting ground level right here, okay? So, so this is where it all begins. And I could just do the rest of the night right here. But you make friends by being smiling. Like, just smile. And be joyful. Do you know whenever a person walks in a room with a bad attitude, it affects the attitude of everybody in the room? And so, man, whenever you walk in a room, what kind of, what kind of atmosphere are you bringing in the room? Are you bringing a joyful attitude? Or are you bringing a pouty, selfish, self-centered, downcast attitude? Who wants to be around that? And then we're going to say, man, you need to follow Christ. Follow Christ like you. No, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you, right? So you make friends by being genuinely, being joyful. You know, and by the way, where do you get that from? The presence of God. The joy of the Lord is my strength. But here's another key. You make friends by being genuinely interested in other people. And so you never make friends if all you ever think about is yourself. And you know, our world, our society tends to make us just focus on ourselves. It's all about me. It's what's for me. And how's it going to help me? And, and how can you serve me? And But no, Jesus said, let's turn that around. You need to find out how can you help others? And how can you be blessing to others? And, and how can you lift others up? And so you got to be others focused and not self-focused. That's how you make friends, you know? And so um, you make friends by finding common ground with people. Like, you know, if you want to, if you want to stop your progress in, in, uh, in making friends with people, start talking about politics. Express your, express your opinions on Facebook. And let me just stop for a moment right here. That's why I think it's ridiculous for a Christian to just go on this political rant. Because all of a sudden you just, you just cut out half of whoever's watching you or listening to you. And so listen, I have an opinion, but I'm never going to tell anybody their opinion because I'm just trying to find a common ground, not something to divide on. Come on, are y'all with me? And so you got to be wise. Amen. You got to be wise with your opinions and all that. And so you got to find a common ground. And that's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 19. Even though I am free from the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralist, loose living, immoralist. What? The defeated, the moralized, whoever. I, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. 
So that don't mean that I, I don't have to go get tanked downtown to win somebody to Christ. Amen? That's, 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 that's what he's saying right here. But I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in an attempt to lead those I meet in a, I, I meet into a God saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. And so Paul says you got to learn how to enter people's world. Try to experience things from their point of view. If you want to make a friend, find out what others like and enjoy and then talk to them about it. Does that make sense? And so Paul says, you know, he says, I've become a Roman to a Roman, a Greek with a Greek. You know, what he's saying is that he didn't change his whole, his whole opinion or his whole doctrine or anything like that. But in other words, he's not going to go say, Oh, you a Roman? Oh man, that stinks. You know, I don't think that's right. What he's, he just like, he just learned to find a common ground. And so one of the ways that you make friends is that when you find out, you know, if somebody likes football, you just talk about football and they're going to be interested in that. If you find out that somebody's interested in politics, you can talk politics. Just stay neutral, brother. Amen. Are y'all with me out there? And Paul said, I've become just about every sort of servant there is in attempts to lead those I meet to a God-saved life. And so, you know, listen, as a Christian, when you get around somebody that custom, you know, and they go, you know, they like, you know, they're not serving the Lord. I mean, you can tell. You know, don't, don't put a bunch of holy roly on them. You know, that's not necessarily going to just like, oh, I think I want to be like you. Because as soon as you attack somebody, you're losing the position to influence somebody. As soon as you start being judgmental towards somebody, you're losing the influence of that person's life. It doesn't mean that you have to agree with their lifestyle or how they feel or what, but you don't have to, you don't have to throw that out there. And so, you know, you got to learn how to just be able to blend into the environment. And whenever you walk in on uh, your workplace or your schoolroom or whatever it is, man, you need to be the one that brings life into the room. And listen, do that at church, too. You know what I'm saying? And so be friendly. And so when you come to church, don't just come to church. Greet people, shake people's hands, love on people. When you get to work, ask people, how was your weekend? What you did this weekend? Let them tell you their story. They'll be glad to talk about themselves. The problem is not enough people are willing to listen. Because again, we're too self-focused. We're too self-centered. So you make friends by being more interested in others than you are in yourself. That's tough preaching right there. But listen, how are we going to win friends? How are we going to lead somebody to Christ that don't like us? They're like, I don't even like you, man. You so snobby. You so stuck on yourself. You so arrogant. You so proud. They never going to want to know about our Christ, right? So come on. I think we got to be like Jesus. Amen. If you agree, say amen. All right, I better move on. I'm already out of time. The second key to leading others to Christ is learn to share your personal testimony. Acts 1.8 says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, not so that you can, you know, run on top the pew, but, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, through Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, why did he say you're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit? 
is to be a witness. What is a witness? A witness is someone who tells you what they saw or experienced firsthand. I tell you, I'm telling you what I experienced. I'm telling you what I saw. That's a witness, an eyewitness, right? Listen, they can be a witness because they personally saw or experienced something firsthand. And so what to be a witness for Christ means you simply share what you've experienced in the Lord. Like, what has Christ done for you? Hopefully you got something to say, right? Has Christ changed your life? Has Christ changed your life? It's a rhetorical question. Has Christ changed your life? To be a witness for Christ means to share your personal story about the difference Christ has made in your life. And listen, there's nothing more convincing. People will might fight. They might argue with you about doctrine and what you believe, but they can't argue with what you experienced. They can't argue, you know, and, you know, I'm thinking about that guy in the, uh, I was thinking about the, you know, the guy in the Bible uh, who was healed of blindness and the religious leader said, who did this? Like, did what? Like, healed me? You know, like, is that a bad thing? And so the religious leaders wanted to know what happened to him. And he simply gave witness to Christ. And he said this, John 9 and 10, he said, they asked, who healed you? What happened? And he told them, the man they called Jesus made mud. And he spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and I washed and now I see. I don't know what else to tell you, man. I'm an eyewitness. This is what happened. In John 9 and 24, he said, second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God. They said, we know this man is a sinner. They're trying to crucify Jesus. And he replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Isn't that a great verse? I don't know about what you, I don't know about all that baloney, man, but I'm telling you, man, I was blind. I was like a goose lost in a hailstorm, and Jesus touched my eyes, and I could see where I'm going now. That's a witness. That's a witness, right? Now, there's three components to sharing your story or your testimony, and the first one is this, about what, what life was like before being a Christian. Do you all remember what your life was before being a Christian, those of you that are? And so, you know, the struggles, the problems you had. And then the second part is what, before Christ and then becoming a Christian. And so, you know, the story of how you became a Christian. Do you remember how you became a Christian? Do you remember when you became a Christian? And then after being a Christian. And so, you know, it's basically this, the difference that Christ has made. So it's three components. Before I was a Christian, how I became a Christian, and what the difference was after I became a Christian. And when you tell people your story, they're like, really? And so, you know, listen, witnessing is just letting others know what, how God has changed your life. And there's nothing more convincing than somebody, what can they, how can they argue with you whenever you say, dude, I was on drugs. I couldn't live life without getting stoned and I was empty. And I'm telling you my testimony right here. Okay. And I just didn't know what to do with life. I was searching. I was empty inside. Somebody invited me to church. I heard the story about how Jesus came to save us and to wash our sins and give us purpose and a life. And they asked us to respond and give our heart to Jesus. I did that. And all of a sudden, man, I got delivered from drugs. I found purpose in life. And I, I went from never wanting to go to church to always wanting to be in church to never wanting to read my Bible to always read my Bible. And now I'm living my life full of peace and full of grace and full of strength. And I'm so excited about life. I can't wait to get up in the morning. That's what, that's kind of like what happened. What about you, man? What's your religious experience? 
You see, so it's your story. But you know why you share your story? Everybody's like, oh, man, I'm feeling empty right now. Man, I'm struggling right now. You don't know what's going on in my life, but I'm struggling. So your story helps them to connect with their need for Christ. So one way to persuade people to be interested in being a Christian is just sharing about how God has changed your life. Witness, share your story. But number three, the third key to leading others to Christ is use the gospel to bring people to Christ. You know, Jesus said this. He said, he said to the disciples, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Notice he didn't say go in all the world and preach your opinion to all creation. Or preach your philosophy. You know what I think? No, he said, go and preach the what? The gospel. In Romans 10, 10 and 14, he said, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone is sent to them? Somebody got to tell them. Somebody has to tell people about the gospel for them to believe in it and to receive it. Amen? And the Bible says that we are the ambassadors. We are the mouthpiece. of. We are to bring the gospel. And we first got to live it, and then we got to speak it. Amen? Don't speak it unless you live it. You got to live it first and then speak it, or else your speaking has no power. You got to live it first. So now what is the gospel? It's the good news. You know, I know we, as pastors, we can take the Bible and make it the worst news that you ever heard. It's like, I'm glad I came to church today. I feel so beat up. Man, the world's coming to an end. And no, the, it's good news. The Bible is good news. That's what the, 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 the definition of the gospel is good news. Well, what's the good news? Well, you know, you could really ball down the gospel in one verse. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's the gospel in a nutshell. That's the gospel in a nutshell. That's the good news, right? So here's, here's how you share the gospel. Point number one, convince them that they need Christ's forgiveness. You know, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, when I first became a Christian, I was 22 you know, I was just kind of young and I was a little intimidated by older people and, you know, intimidated by people that were successful in life. You know, people that had a lot of money, doctors, lawyers, you know, you know, just people, prominent people. But, you know, whenever I realized that I don't care if you, if you Bill Gates, you sin. And I don't care if you own half a Lafayette, you sin and you need forgiveness. And I don't care if you're a doctor or a lawyer, it doesn't matter who you are and how successful you are. If you're a human being, all have sinned, the Bible says. Y'all believe that? So you see, you gotta, you gotta let, hey, listen, man. You know, hey, you, you ever wanted to punch somebody out? Oh, you committed murder, Jesus said. If you even want to punch somebody out, you've committed murder in your heart already. You looked at that woman twice? Oh, the Jesus said, if you're looking at that woman with that lustful eye, you committed adultery, dude. So how many of you know, none of us can skate through this life and not sin. There's only one and Jesus is the one. So, so we got to, first of all, before you can f make them believe that they need to be saved, you got to make them believe they lost, right? Point number two is you explain how God sent Jesus to heal our sin problem. 
And, and so, you know, Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, man. Every time you live in sin, every time you sin, you're killing yourself. But the good news is that the gift of God is eternal life. So that's the good news. The bad news is we all messed up. The good news is Jesus did something about it. Amen? Are y'all catching that? And then point number three is explain to them the good news and how God is ready to forgive them. And the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. So listen, if you're friendly enough that somebody's interested in listening to you and they start asking questions and you start telling them your testimony and it seems like they want to know more, then you start using the gospel. The gospel is the power unto salvation. So you got to learn how to, and you don't need to know all the Bible. You could really just know these three verses, Romans 3, 20, uh, 3, uh, Romans 6, 23, Romans 10, 9. Just those three verses. You could really use John 3, 16. You don't need to know a lot, but whenever you, this is what the Bible said. This is what Jesus said. And the Bible has the power to convict. See, that's why you don't use your opinions use the gospel. The gospel is a two-edged sword. It's able to divide between the soul and the spirit. And they might say, I never sinned. Well, the Bible says all of us have sinned. Oh, they got to wrestle with that now. Because the sword just came out. And the, the job of the word is to bring conviction. Not to condemn, but to bring conviction. So it makes them realize, man, I really need Jesus. And so the fourth key to leading others to Christ is this. You got to boldly invite them to surrender their life to receive Christ. You know, and so, you know, one of the things that we have to realize is that I can't pray like, like Blue. Like so Blue, would you come up here for a moment? You know, Blue, by the way, Blue got radically saved here at Family Life. And man, I'm glad he did, aren't you? And his wife, Maria, and their family. Man, what a blessing, huh? But you know, look, you know, Blue is a nice guy. But you know, until he becomes a Christian, he's lost. His soul is lost. But he can look like, he can be nicer than us. But being nicer than us, he's still lost. And the only way that he can become a Christian is he has to decide to ask Jesus to forgive his sins. And he has to decide to accept Jesus into his life. So if I want Blue to be a Christian, I can pray for him and say, Lord, I pray that Blue's a Christian in Jesus' name. That's not going to make him a Christian. Blue has to pray. And so I, it's just, if I can just convince Blue, Blue, do you realize that you sin and man, your sin separates you from God and you really, you, you deserve not to go to heaven because you, you broke God's law. Do you believe that? Man, you ready to surrender? You ready to give your life? He's got a purpose. He's got a plan, but he's a gentleman. He won't force his way on you. Are you ready to just open up your heart and receive him into your life? When he says yes, can I pray with you? If he says yes, then you just pray with him. Say, man, Blue, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. I know I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me. When he asks the Lord to forgive him, the Lord forgives him. I can't ask the Lord to forgive him. He's got to ask the Lord to forgive him. So you got to be bold enough to just say, 
You see, remember me telling you the story Sunday when the guy lost his leg and he was laying on the ground and I thought he was going to die any minute. And I just said, man, I don't know where you are with God, but you need to get right with God because we don't know how this is going to turn out. Are you ready to surrender to you? Yes, I am. Well, that was a good answer, huh? Thank you, Blue. Appreciate it, man. God bless you. Love you. But you see, right there while he was laying on the ground, I didn't know if he had minutes to live. And I just simply, I said, Jonathan, pray this prayer. Lord Jesus. And I just led him in a prayer. I know I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me. And listen, this is an incredible thing. After he surrendered his life to Christ, as soon as we finished praying, he said, man, he said, do me a favor. I mean, he was smarter than me. He said, take my belt off and put it around my leg. I didn't even think about that. But you know what I did? I took his belt off, put it around his leg and pulled on it till my, my veins started popping out. But you know what? He's, Jonathan is still here. You know? But, you know, I think about that. Did God decide, you know what? I'm going to save this guy's life. I mean, I don't know, but... But you understand what I'm saying? Boldly invite people to surrender their life to Christ. And if they've never done that, man, no telling what could happen. You know, I, I'm looking at, at, at a lady right here. Right here on the third row. And we had, a, we had our growth track. And she came to growth track and she didn't know the Lord. And at the end of the class, well, I invited people in the class to ask the Lord to forgive them and give their lives to Christ. And she did. And she's been serving the Lord now for I don't know how many years. Four years now. And listen, I just said, look, if you don't know if you're saved and you want Jesus to forgive your sins, pray this prayer with me. Now, there might have been somebody else in that room that just prayed that prayer just, just to pray it. But she was sincere. She was genuine. And she and God heard her prayer and God changed her life. It's not my job to decide whether somebody else is sincere or not. That's, that's their business with God. It's my job to do all I can to try to get them to the cross. Amen. Are y'all with me out there? And so listen, you don't have to know all the Bible. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to live like, yeah, but you know, the other day, man, I got really mad at somebody pulled out and I told them off. So I can't tell anybody about Jesus. No, listen, none of us would tell anybody about Jesus if we did, you know, if we had to be perfect to tell people about Jesus, because there's only one perfect person, right? And so, but you just got to be bold enough. And so sometimes the reason why we can't lead people to Christ is we're too timid. We're too fearful of man. What are they going to think? What are they going to say? But come on, we need to have the eye of the tiger, man. We need to have, we need to know that eternity is in the heart of every man and every, every person needs to be saved. They need a relationship with Jesus and we ought to love them enough to try to not leave them in, in Egypt, but to get them over to the promised land. Amen. And God said, this is my plan. I want to use you, the church, to be my ambassadors. To, I want to teach you how to fish for people and lead people to Christ. Amen. And you can do it. I just want to encourage you. You can do it. So the key is just to ask them to repent and just ask the Lord. And the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen? All right. So now the fifth key to leading others to Christ is this, is to being wise in your attempt to lead others to Christ. You got to be wise. And that's what the Bible says in Proverbs eleven thirty: The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. Wise. I think means you got to depend on the Lord to help you. Depend on the Holy Spirit. 
We can't save anybody. We can't change anybody's eternity. Only God can do that. But we can be the vessel God uses. The Bible says that man is on one side, God is on the other side, and Jesus is the bridge. We can just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to just help us get people from being lost to being saved. Amen? But you got to be wise. Being wise, part of being wise is being, being sensitive to when people are open. You know, man, I, you know, whenever I first got saved, I know it's nothing anymore, but, you know, downtime where all the bars are, that used to be uh, the strip. Some of you went over there with me whenever you were, you know. <laughs> but, you know, we go over there and uh, we try to lead people to Christ. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, pray with me, man. You know, it was just, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't the wisest attempt to lead people to Christ. But, you know, there's certain times that people are open to the gospel. And one of those times is whenever they're in transition. Whenever there's a transition going on in their life, like, you know, like, um, like when you move to a new place. When somebody it just changes a season of life. Whenever there's a transition in their life that makes, a, makes their life a little shaky. And they realize, man, I thought, my, I thought everything was good and my life was secure, but it's not. They become open to the gospel. You know, I like what, what Brother Eric and Kai Alpha they do. They're reaching out to the freshmen. Some of them are coming from out of town. They're about to be indoctrinated by professors that are, that are anti-Christ. They don't believe in God, don't believe in Christianity. And if you don't reach them with the gospel before they get indoctrinated by other preachers of the other side, you, you may never win them. But they know they're in a vulnerable place to anything. And so it's a perfect time to reach them with the gospel. Does that make sense? And so listen, this is what it means. When somebody comes, somebody comes into your life that is going through a transition in their life, somebody that just gets married and trying to, and they're starting to have marriage problems, they become open. Man, I, I thought I had it all by the life by the tail, but man, this thing has got my tail. They're open. But the other time is during Tension, tension like the loss of a job, a broken, a broken relationship, a, a busted up marriage, health problems, financial problems, adversity, trials, tribulations. You know, we were talking, Pastor Brandon and I were talking, there was a lady, she came, she stayed at both services Sunday. Her name is Brittany and she's from New Orleans and she evacuated over here with a bunch of other people. And, uh, and they came here, they were lost and we reached out to them and her and, and a bunch of her family, they all got saved. And, 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 and she stayed here a couple of years, graduated Kadiana and decided she needed to go back to New Orleans to, to be a, a light over there and to reach her people. And she was here just visiting and, and man, it was so refreshing to see her. And she's still on fire for God. She's going through trials and tribulations. But all those people became open to the gospel because their whole life, they had to leave their, their home. They had to leave their friends, their school. They had to leave everything. And now they open to the gospel. So you see what I'm saying? So listen, whenever a new person comes to work, they don't know everybody. So why don't you be the friendliest one? Why don't you go talk to them and invite them and welcome them to the new job and just be the friend? When somebody moves in your neighborhood, why don't you go knock on the door and say, welcome to the neighborhood, amen? And let's just reach them whenever they're in tension or transition, when their hearts become open to the gospel. And we, it's not our job to, we don't win anybody. It's the Lord's win. We just gotta be wise and say, Lord, 
I know everybody needs to be saved. I don't know who here at work needs to be saved. You know everybody, but help me, Lord, to be a soul winner. Amen? Come on, y'all receive that tonight? Now, Jesus said, come to me, follow me, and I will show you how. I will show you how to be a fisher of men. And remember this. This is the most important thing. You cannot lead somebody to Christ that don't like you. The first thing you got to do is be likable, be kind, smile, be warm, be friendly. Don't be judgmental. Don't be critical. Don't condemn people. Don't speak down to people. Come on, be an uplifter. Amen. And people are going to like what they see. They're going to like what they feel. And they just might ask you, who is this God that you're serving? Because I want in on that. Amen. Come on, let's stand together and let's pray. Come on, just lift up your hands to heaven if you have the freedom. Don't do it if you're not comfortable with it. It's okay. But I just let's just pray together. Let's ask the Lord to help us to be wise. Wise. Let's ask the Lord to, to help us learn how to lead people to Christ. Come on, I believe the Lord is going to give some of us in this uh, in here an opportunity before long. And I believe God is going to give you the boldness and he's going to give you the grace to just reach out. And man, you're going to be so excited whenever God uses you to do that. You're just going to be, you're going to be walking on clouds. Amen. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you would touch every person in this building. Lord, we want to learn how to reach people for Christ. Lord, we want to learn how to touch people. We want to be the, Lord, we want to be the ambassador. Lord, those that help people across the bridge from being separated and distant from you to being a a full follower of Christ. So Lord, I pray that help us. Help us to be nicer, Lord. Help us to smile more. Help us to be uplifting, Lord. Help us, God, to get our eyes off ourselves and on other people. Lord, help us to see the eternity in the eyes of everybody we come in contact with. That, Lord, we won't be ugly. We won't, we won't burn bridges, Lord, but we will always try to just be the kindest, friendliest, nicest person around. That, Lord, they will want to be more like us. And whenever they find out why we're so joyful and why we're so full of life, we will be able to introduce them to our master, to our creator, to our savior, to our Lord. Lord Jesus, help us. There's a lost world that needs saving. And I know you want to use us to get them to you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the grace of God that is being released right now. Lord, I pray for divine appointments. I pray that, God, you would just set us up, Lord, with people. Give us an eye for the lost. Give us an eye, Lord, to reach out and to touch those that are lost. Thank you, Father, God. Help us not to be weird, not to be religious, not to be condemning. Help us, Lord, to just be, Lord, attractive. Lord, wherever we go, I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, do me a favor. Just put your hands out for just a moment. You know, just because we're here at church, it doesn't mean all of us have all taken that step. And we might have some of us here today and, and, and that you've never uh, you've never made that step. You've never, you say, man, you're talking about being Christian. I don't even know if I'm one, but I want to be one. I, I don't want to be lost. I want to be in the promised land. Would you pray for me? Just close your eyes for a moment. Just bow your head with me for a moment. We're not going to embarrass you or anything, but I just want to pray a special prayer for you. If you're here tonight and you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I want to I want to make sure that I'm a Christian. Maybe you used to be a Christian and you got away and you're ready to surrender. Come on, tonight's tonight. 
If that's you and you say, Todd, pray for me, just lift your hand. Just lift it up high enough so I can see. Sir or ma'am, I see your hand. Anybody else? Come on, just lift. Don't be, don't be shy. Thank you, ma'am. I see, I see both of your hands right here in the front. Anywhere else, I see your hand, ma'am. Come on, just lift your hand. This, this is a real deal, man. This is not game. This is eternity, man. This is like going from death to life, from darkness to light. Come on, this is like coming out of the hands of the evil one and being released under the power and the grace of God. Listen, those of you that raised your hand, thank you, ma'am, way back here. Just pray this prayer. We're all going to pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've broken your law. And I don't deserve heaven. But Lord, I believe your word. I believe the gospel. That you died for me. That you shed your blood. So my sins could be washed away. So my sins could be forgiven. And so that I wouldn't have to live separated from you. But I could live eternally, eternally set in the presence of God. Jesus, I want to be a Christian. And I'm asking you to cleanse me and to wash me and to fill my heart with your power and with your presence. Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me in your family. Thank you, Jesus, for extending your kindness to me tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Man, I trust that those of you that raised your hands, thank you for being so courageous and and doing that. There's a card in the pew with a green bar across it that said, I made a decision. If you'll just take a time to fill that out, we want to just keep you updated with everything that's going on. But we have a gift for you, a Bible if you need one, and just some material just to kind of help you get jump-started in your spiritual walk. And by the way, again, if you just became a Christian, you can even get baptized tonight, like saved and baptized tonight. We got some shirts and some shards. Just, uh, uh, Pastor Kelly, would you come up here right now? This is Pastor Kelly. Just let him know. And then, and so we're going to go right out there. So listen, if you fill that card, bring it to Pastor Kelly, and, and he'll make sure you get that stuff. But listen, um, we got a little treat for you. We got, uh, we got some uh, cupcakes out there. We're going to have a party because we have some people getting baptized. And so uh, we're going to go right outside. If you got time to hang out and stay, we're going to go right out the doors. The baptistry is set up out there. And, and in, 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 the, in the front of uh, the whole world, we're going to baptize those that are ready to do that. Amen? So God bless you. Thank you for being here. And don't forget to come see Pastor Kelly uh, if, you want, uh, if you want that gift. Thank you.